Hi, welcome to Entrepreneurs Transform Podcast. My name is Greg Twemlow. I'm the host of the program. And just about every week, we'll be talking with entrepreneurs from all over the world who are at very different stages of their journey and who are happy to share their experiences, their learnings, their successes, and even their failures with other entrepreneurs. Hi, welcome to Entrepreneurs Transform Podcast. Today, my guest is Courtney Brown. Courtney, warm welcome. Thank you, Greg. Lovely to be with you. Courtney, you are the founder of the Millennial Group. That's right. And this is going to be an interesting conversation because you're a little bit different to most of the entrepreneurs I talk to, I guess, in in the sense that Millennial Group is really focused on innovative services. That's right. I think we fill a need where we're actually having a really pertinent discussion right now about the future of work. So we've been around for 12 years and we've been working from anywhere, any place, any time. Wow. Okay. So uh, you were way out in advance of most people in doing that. And so tell me, Courtney, about your vision and mission for Millennial Group. Sure. So we've been around for 12 years and it took us a little bit of time as a a collective of independent contractors to come up with our vision and our mission, but it actually guides everything we do. So our vision is to leave behind a sustainable open source ecosystem for future generations. And our mission is to change lives for the better via technology. Right. Now, so they're big, broad statements, and I feel like I should dig a little deeper. Let's start with the vision. So leave behind a sustainable source, open source ecosystem. What does that mean, really? What does that look like? So for those of you who love to watch really geeky YouTube videos, I would encourage you to watch Jeremy Rivkin's The Third Industrial Revolution. And he's an advisor to Angela Merkel, um, among other world leaders, challenging centralised systems. Um, And essentially, we're evangelists for challenging the status quo and existing systems and business models that are really threatened right now in the current economic circumstance. But where we actually talk about open source ecosystem for future generations, it's allowing anyone to develop new systems that the public can access at any time. Um, So we believe in the power of the customer and we also believe in distributed systems. So I could imagine probably potentially, Courtney, that some of your customers might kind of look at that and think, wow, that's sort of way out there. What's your experience with how customers react to that that vision? Well, we actually engage mainly with large corporates who really are quite challenged in their current operating environments. So their existing business models are very challenged, um, constrained, uh, and normally they've got really large, complex problems that they need to face into. So we mainly work with large 
large corporates and we solve problems that allow them to explore alternative operating models and really utilising workforces like never before. So one great example of us being an island in the middle of nowhere is that our time zones actually provide us a competitive advantage and likewise too, the, the turning of the sun can provide efficiencies for Australian companies. And we're starting to think a little bit more globally now. So whilst it might look like a, a big, hairy, audacious type vision, it's grounded in the reality that things are changing now. And basically, we're challenging the status quo with how we deliver our technologies. Well, yeah, I can imagine actually 12 years ago, that would have been seen potentially as you know, way, way out there. But of course, yeah. in this in this time, everything's changed in the last few months. And as you said, Australia, that Asia-Pac time zone in the middle of uh, Europe, Middle East, et cetera, and the Americas is, is kind of well-placed in a way. Absolutely. I think we should be thinking about it and talking about it more. Yeah. And Courtney, tell us about kind of the range of your services that you're offering in Millennial Group. Sure. So myself as the founder, I'm normally engaged as a strategic facilitator at the board and the executive level. And I'm normally engaged where there's quite a lot of complexity with respect to targets and goals for the organisation. But the team is made up of a raft of really experienced independent contractors. They've either worked client side in large organisations or they've actually worked in agency land as digital practitioners. So the extent of our services ranges from technical project management all the way through user design and user research through to development. So when I talk about development, both front-end and back-end full-stack development, and that can include web and application development as well. So we work in a raft of, of modalities in terms of how we deliver with our clients, but our specialist area is financial services. So most of us have been within financial services for a period of over 10 years. Okay. And so before starting Millennial Group, I I gather you were, you know, in full-time employment. That's right. For a period of time until I realized (laughs) it wasn't for me. (laughs) Okay. And so at what point did you sort of perceive the mission for Millennial Group? Yeah, I guess related to to the mission is probably more a a personal um, reflection on the why for for Millennial Group. I could see that entrepreneurship, innovation, and new ways of doing things potentially didn't sit really neatly in a corporate culture. And likewise, too, I think that kind of speaks to an entrepreneurial personality as well. So. I arrived at the mission because the technology is always able to be an integrator for change. And it's a key point of integration, but there's no mistaking that technology is enabled through the people. So I suppose to change lives for the better speaks to the people implementing technology to enable better outcomes. And that might be for customers and a number of custodians. So I guess that's how I arrived at the mission. But from a personal perspective, 
the mission kind of speaks to what I want to leave behind and that's actually really meaningful impact. So I'm sure you've heard that millennials actually really want to create meaning in their everyday lives and that's definitely true for me as well. So 12 years ago when I came up with the idea for a side hustle, it was really important to me that that was actually something that could be impactful. Yeah, wonderful. And so before you took that major step, so before you stepped out of that comfortable, well, relatively comfortable full-time world of employment, what did you do to prepare for your entrepreneurial journey? So I think, first of all, there had to be this self-actualization in me that potentially I could be doing something different. I guess lots of expectation was placed on me from my my wonderful parental generation, just in the sense that, you know, I think generationally there's security and comfort in full-time permanent employment. But I would really kind of call that out as saying, well, there's no such thing as permanent anymore. And careers don't span 10 years if you're a lifelong learner. So I recognized in myself that I was a lifelong learner, that I had always been seen to be relatively unstable in the raft of experiences that I had, but I knew that there was additional value that I could offer. So it took a lot of what I call snakes and ladders in my career. I got offered a corporate-sponsored financial degree in my first job ever at ING Direct. And I said no to that because I wanted to go and explore a passion that I had for exercise physiology. And that seemed absolutely crazy at the time. However, I came back to financial services and have remained in there. And in fact, the person who offered me that financial sponsored degree is still a mentor of mine today. So I think it actually, it kind of stems from two places. One is self-actualizing that maybe you feel like a bit of a square peg in a round hole and that's okay, as well as going, okay, well, if if I feel like I can contribute additional value, what does that look like and how might that work for me so that I can really design a life I love? And that that was where it came from. Mm, wow, amazing. And, and so, you know, when you stepped out of that uh, corporate full-time employment world into managing your own company, that's kind of very different, isn't it? What What sort of challenges did you find in doing that? Absolutely. I mean... I think I was a babe in the woods in the beginning and really I think that showed. So I often speak to women in business about imposter syndrome, which is absolutely real. And I was very young. So why would anybody want to listen to my advice or potentially have me join a team to uplift what they could do? And that that was a, a learning experience itself. And I really had to keep an openness and receptiveness to listening. So I will never forget the advice you've got two ears, one mouth. When I'm, at, when I'm ever with a client, I love to listen to their perspectives, question them and really seek to understand. And I think that that helped a lot. But, you know, operational management is completely different to going into a job that's prescribed for you every day. So it definitely was, was quite challenging at the start. Look, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, you say, you know, Two, two ears, one mouth. I mean, it sounds so trite, but it's such wonderful advice in life generally it, to be prepared to listen, you know, before talking. Absolutely. And I think 
that really speaks to empathy, which um, is a soft skill that, that really differentiates people now. Anybody can tell you what they think, but to really listen and understand and then translate that into meaning for someone, that's something altogether different. Yeah, yeah very, very true, Courtney. And so, look, you've uh, we've all been through some pretty uh, tough times recently. So what, what's been the impact of COVID on Millennial Group? I really want to just take a moment to acknowledge all of the people that are going through a tough time because, you know, sometimes you kind of, you, you feel a little bit hopeless when things have been done to you that seem out of your control. I definitely felt that for a moment. I was actually supposed to go overseas in April of this year because we've got a team over in Indonesia. And of course, that wasn't able to occur, which of course was disappointing, but it kind of left me in a a little bit of a place that was unfamiliar to me where I didn't have much work to to bite into. But then I kind of I kind of reflected on it and I went, "Hold on a minute." wonder what's happening to all of my digital colleagues that are in market at the moment that are independent contractors potentially working with agencies and big corporates. I wonder if they're okay. And I just started reaching out to them. And I found out that most of them actually had been released from their contracts. So in fact, COVID for us has meant that we've scaled our workforce by 80%. And I didn't anticipate that that would be the case. But that actually means that we've probably got more experienced digital professionals on our book than I could have anticipated in the second year of operating our headquarters in Sydney. So that being said, there's probably a little bit of a reluctance to start new projects at the moment, but there's certainly going to be quite a lot of digital transformation work that we foresee within the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. So I'm, I'm very grateful and happy to say that we're, we're actually doing really well in COVID times. Awesome. And, and I think that's a key indicator, Courtney, for someone who looks at it with those fresh eyes to say, well, the world is changing quite dramatically. You know, how can we kind of leverage that? And you clearly have, it seems. Absolutely. Well, I just wanted to do it from a place of helping people at the start. And then I realised there was a big gap to fill. So, you know, hopefully that means that uh, the millennial group can grow and self-perpetuate a really great culture. That's what I'm hoping. And so what are you thinking about the next sort of year or two years? What's it going to look like for millennial? Yeah, well, I, I love this question because I can't really forecast in a world of technology beyond two years. And one year for me is, is a long-term commitment in my mind, because I love to to be nomadic in the way that I work and I live, um, for those that know me very well. But for the next year, at least, we've got quite a lot on, on our plate in terms of transformation programs, replatforming programs, and really looking at enhancing customer experiences for quite a number of corporate clients, both here in the US and the UK. So that will definitely take up the time. But in the next two years, I'd really like to automate our contractor workforce management. So it's been something that I've 
been actively avoiding over the last decade, but actually establishing a contractor platform like a freelancer type model that's very select for our clients and our consultants to basically communicate directly and potentially bid for for different pieces of work. That would probably be on our roadmap. So that's an interesting step for you because, as you've said, you've been focused on services and this is a step toward creation of a product, your own intellectual property. Potentially. It's more about me lowering my admin, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> so I've come from a, a very a very selfish base and it might not actually be feasible, but, but it's certainly desirable for me. So I want to see if it's viable in the next two years. Great. And so now I'm sure in all those years of experience and you've worked internationally, there must be some great advice you could share with other founders, the lessons you've learned. I think over a period of years, I've built a very thick skin and I can't overestimate how many rejections you'll get before you get a yes. So turn a phrase that I have adopted and it's part of my everyday is a no is just another alternative to a yes. So you might not get a yes right now, but it doesn't mean it's not going to be that way in the future. So I would probably pass on the advice that every relationship is valuable, just like if you're you're learning learning about somebody's style from the outset, how they treat the waiter is just as important as how they treat the CEO of an organisation. Know that your reputation now doesn't pertain to your brand or your company. It's actually how you leave people feeling after an experience with you. So even if for whatever reason the experience may have been a bitter one for you, make sure they remember you as the person who smiled and accepted whatever the outcome was. I think that would have been great for me to learn really young when I was very young and emotional. And and I think another piece of advice would be you don't have to solve everything in a day. So a really great example I used recently when I was mentoring one of the students from UNSW was Disney recently launched their video platform. And I don't know if anybody's clicked on it, but essentially it was full of glitches. And if Disney can release something that isn't perfect, you can too. So sometimes we get into paralysis analysis and we really strive for perfection. But that's an expectation you place on yourself not that others have a view. So that would be the other piece of advice. Yeah, that's great advice. I, I so agree with you about that. Uh, when you hear a no, you know, you kind of the, the N-O is the thing that's up in lights in front of you. But actually, as you say, it, it there's all kinds of reasons why you might be hearing a no. And, and often it's just wise to take that, be a little patient, dig a little deeper. And as you say, n- never slam the door closed because you may want to walk through that again at some point. Absolutely. Definitely. And we're on a very small island called Australia. So you've got to bear that in mind too, especially in digital. (laughs) We're all connected. (laughs) We are. Well, Courtney, strictly speaking, it's actually not small, but I know what you mean. It's... uh, It is, it, it, in in uh, market sort of terms, it, it is uh, really quite a small market. So th- thinking about how millennial might grow, what do you kind of need now to, to make that a reality? Well, I am always wanting to hear from 
digital talent. So those that have at least five years experience working either client or agency side. So if you're looking for a really creative place to work where independent contractors come together to do meaningful work, then I'd love to hear from you. The other area of growth, I'd really love to engage with businesses that are keen to experiment with new technologies and actually develop new ways of partnerships. So um, it's an area of passion for me to deliver more value quickly uh, for the customer and for the organisations. And I suppose that's a call out to financial services, other area of expertise that I have is in health and a real passion for leaving a legacy behind is education. So you know, I'd love to be connected to education executives who are obviously facing very challenging times right now. And likewise, too, I worked on digital health. So e-health and telehealth is finally getting a Guernsey, which is great. So we'd love to basically be um, more involved in that space for patient experience and definitely with respect to any customer experience projects. I will, I will state a claim that I'm really passionate about blockchain development which is not, I suppose, a well well understood term in, in many respects. It gets a bad rap, but I'm actually wanting to experiment in disrupting markets uh, around blockchain. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of technology in health, isn't there? But when you look at it from the kind of customer experience angle, it's still pretty bad, really. There's a lot of room for improvement. I would definitely say that. Not for, not for lack of trying you know, have, have we embarked on, on the journey. But I think the biggest challenge in patient experience is the commonality of the clinicians and the patients co-designing. So the work that I've been involved in so far has really taken on board the clinical perspectives, which is fine, but I actually think it's probably time for us to invite the patient into the conversation and co-designing their experience based on what they've dealt with so far. And it's not always easy convincing amazing clinicians that they should be listening to their patients to advance what they do. Yeah. So that, that's definitely <laughs> that's, a call to that's, action. Uh, that's, that's those folks who sit out there in the waiting room and, you know, uh, stand up when they're summoned to go inside. <laughs> Well, I, I suppose, I mean, telehealth, uh, like you say, I mean, it's all changed in the last few months. I mean, suddenly the the world of medicine is embracing telehealth and that's a little window of opportunity probably around the customer experience side of things. Definitely. And also the clinician's lifestyle. I mean, it fundamentally challenges that they don't need a clinical practice. They could actually practice from wherever they are. So, you know, that's something that I know doctors in training, we call them DIT. They're really advocating for that because it's it opens up a, um, a whole new discussion for them and how they practice. Yeah, like a, a, a totally different business model, isn't it? In, yeah, exactly. in every, every way you look at it. So, yeah, it's exciting times in that regard for sure. And, Courtney, thinking about, you know, these, these years in – your entrepreneurial years. I mean, what about mentors? Have they played a role in your your growth? I I can't I can't overstate it. I've had the most amazing mentors on my journey. I've had an international CEO who's still a mentor. I've had a managing director of a large bank 
still a managing director of a large bank uh, as a mentor. I've had a former AMA president as a mentor. And you know what? I, I kind of reflected on this question before before our time together. And I noticed that the difference in my journey is all of my mentors were male. So with each of them, they either acknowledged and called out that they were going to be available to me as a mentor throughout my career, or they asked of me what I needed from them in order for me to grow. So I would say that the mentors that you choose, it's a two-way learning. So they learn just as much from you as you do of them. And I can say that because now I'm a mentor in Australia's startup ecosystem and I guest lecture at University of New South Wales. And I actually believe that your mentors want to lift you up. So don't be afraid to, you know, reach out and say, hey, you know, can you give me an introduction to the board of this hospital and health system, please? And yeah, I I have to say I'm very grateful. I kind of was reflecting on it. And I think without my mentors, they probably wouldn't have stretched me to go and do my MBA and I suppose continue on a path of lifelong learning. Yeah, that's a fantastic story. Do you think, so is the key aspect of mentors, do you think that they challenge you to strive for higher goals? Is that it or is it more than that? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely part of it. And sometimes you can't recognise within yourself the talents perhaps someone else can see. So I remember having a conversation with one of my my mentors, Dr. Makesh Harkowell, who's been in the news lately because of the Victorian outbreak of COVID. And we had a, a conversation and he said he said to me, where do you see your, your career going or what type of role do you want to have in your career? And I, and I said, I want to leave a meaningful impact. And he said, well, you need an MBA. And I said, well, why is, why is that the case? And he said, well, do you want to contribute to strategy or do you want to be operational? And I said, oh, I want to help shape strategy. And he said, well, you you need to further your education. Now, I don't anticipate that that's going to be the case for very long, but if you want a seat at the table, the credentials were quite important, especially if engaging with clinical practitioners. So that was really useful. And then every single time we caught up subsequently, he said, have you completed your MBA yet? And so it was just this little, little voice in the back of my mind kept on the whole time. So, Courtney, it seems like the role of your mentors has been very much the people who have challenged you to achieve more than you may have thought you could. That's definitely the role that they've played for me, as well as providing me guidance where I've needed it when I've potentially faced into a circumstance that I hadn't dealt with before. So I I reported to my first board at the age of 23 and I didn't know the wood from the trees really. And I think the the mentors that were in my network allowed me to navigate that really well, which was great. Yeah, that is so valuable at such a young age uh, to be interacting with boards of directors. You know, you to have someone guiding you is just so valuable. Absolutely. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And that's the thing. Really standing and owning that, I think, was was key when I was meeting up with my mentors and sharing some of the issues I faced. 
Yeah, incredibly valuable. And actually, uh, what I was trying to say before was that that actually has been a very consistent theme with all of the entrepreneurs I've spoken with is that they have had tremendous value from mentors. And so kind of the follow-on question really here is, like for, let's say, a young person, a young entrepreneur and you were when you had your first mentors where do you go to find mentors how do you find them how, i mean what do you do yeah i think i think it happens by osmosis and and to kind of unpack that a little bit they either walk into a room and you know that you want to know more about how they got to where they got to or they see something in you and they take an interest in you and they don't really understand why so I've had that happen to me as a mentor. I've met a young person who has just inspired something in me to go, I really want to help that person connect, to share, to learn more, because potentially maybe it's a reflection of part of your personality you see in that person. But equally, I know that I've looked at people with admiration and gone, that person commands a room. That's exactly how I would like to present myself to the world in my own unique way, but what can I learn from that person in how they became as successful as, as they, they have? Yeah, that's great advice, Courtney, I think. So just moving on, certainly curious to understand about some of the initiatives that Millennial Group has. And you and I happen to live on the northern beaches. Of Best part Sydney. of the world, God's country, yep. <laughs> it's colloquially God's country and it's I, I kind of think of it as the, the jewel of the Sydney Basin. So it's a pretty nice part of the world. So what should be what should we be looking out for in terms of uh, your initiatives? Yeah, sure. Well, we're actually working on something right now, which is quite fun. And please keep an eye out. There'll be a number of posters around the Northern Beaches saying who is Millennial Group. Millennial Group are coming. And that's more speaking to the fact that we'll be doing a lot more campaign and digital work on the Northern Beaches over the coming weeks and months. But I think look out for our logo, which is prominent on everything we do. And in terms of the initiatives that we're running, most of which I can't talk about because of client privilege, which is really interesting and the confidentiality agreements that we sign. Also, uh, we'll be working with our financial services clients on a number of really exciting proof of concepts in the technology space. So, please expect to see our name besides some blockchain experiments that are actually disrupting markets in, 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 the, in the near term. And more importantly, we're also working on a number of different app products, which we've developed to support small businesses as they emerge from COVID. So if you see any millennial group logos attached to that, then you know that that links back to, to me in some small way, but awesome. really acknowledge the team. Yeah. <laughs> great, great story. And Courtney, just kind of wrapping up, I guess, how should people get in touch with you? How's the best, what's the best way for them to follow your journey? Yeah, I would say definitely follow us on our Instagram account. Our workforce posts some really cool stuff as to where they work and how they do their work. And the handle for that is at millennial, that's M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L, Uprise. Also, our LinkedIn page, which is the Millennial Group. 
you can always phone me and I will freely give my mobile out today, which is 0420-370-973. Of course, you can also check out our website, which is uh, themillennialgroup.com.au. Awesome. And I will I will make sure I post all of that on our podcast uh, site as well. And so, Courtney, it's been just wonderful to talk to you today, to hear the story. It's exciting. And I think there's uh, a great deal more excitement to come. Thanks so much, Greg. Thanks for your time and having me on. Lovely to talk. Cheers. Bye, Courtney. Bye. 